Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Beth coming at you from North Carolina. Hey, this is Christy in St. Louis. How's it going, and Beth? It's good in our closets. Mm-hmm. And you're in it this week. Back to the I club. am. Yep. I'm I'm authentic this week. <laughs> I cleaned it out. It's so nice and clean. <laughs> you inspired me to clean mine too. So that was, you know, good. Yeah. Found all these really cute clothes that I can't wear. <laughs> It's okay. Wearing one today. Yeah. So, what's going on with you? How's life outside your closet? It's going well, actually. Um, I have a couple couple stories for you. One is just a quick shout out to M M&M Cafe. Don't look oh. it up, people. You won't find it on. Well, maybe you will. It's probably one <laughs> out there somewhere. But our neighbors, we've lived here for about a year and a half, and our neighbors, sweet little girls around the corner, every year do a um, cafe and you can come and have breakfast in their yard and they will serve you. They have a small menu and whatever money they make, they give to a charity. This year it was um, a children's hospital and the Humane Society. And we went last year, but clearly this year, social distancing rules. So they did a drive through. So we placed our orders in advance and drove through and bottomless mimosas. So I'm drinking my mimosa right now. Ooh, and I are you going to go back? Oh yeah. I told them I was going to drive through and get another refill. <laughs> I got something to do, but BRB kids. <laughs> yep, be right back. So anyway, super cute, super awesome and thoughtful in this time. So just wanted to share that and give them a shout out. I like it. I think your little town is very progressive. Yes, I like it. I like it here a lot. So, um, and then just quick second story I have for you. Might make you laugh a little bit. Um, all these Zoom class meetings that we're having. So I... Um, my youngest has one um, two days a week and the, the day got switched this week. So um, I had plans to go out. I door dash on the side, everyone. Deliver people happiness. <laughs> That's a whole different story, guys. Yes. It's so fun. <laughs> but my little guy came with me this week and his class meeting happened to be on that day. And so I brought his tablet, tapped into my hotspot and he was on, on it when I was driving around. And I don't know, about 20 minutes into his 30 minute call, I all of a sudden was rapping halfway through rapping salt and pepper's shoop and realized that there was a really good chance that he was not muted <laughs> in the conversation. <laughs> so I'm just singing song, my heart too. out. Oh yeah. And you then could, I was like, you gotta go all in in that song. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm like, um, are you muted? <laughs> He's like, yeah. And I still have no idea if I was or not. So <laughs> Did you get an email from the teacher later? Like, do you want to be a friend? Yeah. <laughs> no, I have not. And I've not gotten that yet. So <laughs> you're quite quite the rap artist, I can yeah. assure. Mm-hmm. I can assure all of you she definitely is. 
Vanilla <laughs> ice is my favorite though. I oh, that's my best one. <laughs> oh yeah. Your best one. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll do that. We'll just be a podcast of us singing. <laughs> yes. Oh no. I would annoy y'all. Well, my cog. Total my cog. My kids hate me. <sighs> so things are going well outside your closet? Yeah, they're good. Good. We played in our dog pool this week and it was amazing. Judge me. Go ahead. Nope. Never. Never judging. I loved it. <laughs> it's really hot here. So nice. Yeah. Same here. Can't wait to get some relief somehow. Mm. Yeah. How you, you going to buy a dog pool? No. Mm -mm. <laughs> Ooh, there was judgment in that. No, no, there was no judgment. I just have nowhere to put it. <laughs> you can shoop in the dog pool. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I could. <laughs> All right. Do you want to hear about this week's case? I do. I'm super excited about it. I am super excited about it too. And I feel like we have been on a spree of women killers, mm. lady killers. So. This is another one. It's another lady killer. Nice. Uh, I know. Sometimes, honestly, I kind of feel it. Like, I'm like, I get it. <laughs> During quarantine. <laughs> you I'm know? with you, sister. <laughs> but with the, these women are really bad about uh, getting caught. They're not mm. good. Not yeah. good cover-uppers. Yeah, clearly they got caught if we're reporting on them. Right, Exactly. But they're bad. Like, they're mm. bad. Uh, they do not cover their tracks well. And my lady today is no exception. My favorite part about this case is it takes place in Texas. Mm -hmm. You know I love some Texans. Mm -hmm. And the names are so cute. They all have the most typical Texas names ever. Bobby Joe? Is Bobby Joe in this family? She is from Ohio. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> and no, there's no Bobby Joe. But the star of my story today, star in air quotes, her name is Darlene. Darlene. This is the story of Darlene and Keith Gentry. Wow. All right. So Darlene Doskasel was born in 1974 in Cameron, Texas, which is real, real small town, about 6,000 people halfway between Waco and Austin. Darlene is a real, real Texas. She's blonde, really tan. She's got big old white teeth. She is super, super pretty, like real pretty. She is a Texan Barbie doll. And she's very vibrant. She is very smart. She has a ton of friends in school. She's very popular. She's on the flag core, which is like, you know, in the band, during the halftime show, the people that have those big giant flags and like, mm -hmm. yeah, twirl them around and they wear those big white boots. Mm -hmm. That's what ours wore. I don't know about yours, but <laughs> ours had big old white boots. And she was homecoming queen. So I don't know. I feel like I kind of would have been friends with Darlene. Mm. Like she sounded like a lot of fun. She was just very down to earth and country and whatever. So she graduated high school and went to Texas State Technical College, which is in Waco, so not far from where she lived, and she studied to be a dental assistant with her big old white teeth. <laughs> and it was there that she met and fell head over heels for Keith Gentry. Keith 
was also born in 1974. They had really close birthdays, actually, in Waco, Texas. And his parents, Wayman and Glenda. Wayman? Wayman. As in... As in, like, um, way, man. Two two year old can't say the R sound, so they say Waymond instead of Raymond. <laughs> okay. Tell me these names are my favorite. Yeah. Waymond and Glenda Gentry, and they were very, very involved, loving parents. You'll see what I mean by involved here in a bit. Keith was really outdoorsy. He again, typical Texas boy. He loved fishing and hunting. He was, you know, just a rugged, good looks. Like he wore cowboy hats and cowboy boots and was just country. And he was taking welding classes at the technical college. Hmm. So here we have small town boy with rugged country looks meets this Texas beauty queen. And they were just a very beautiful couple. They loved the outdoors. They loved dancing together. They would do line dancing all the time out places and people liked to come and watch them. And they dated for eight months. And then as graduation approached, Keith kind of was like, well, you know, I don't really want to know what I'm going to do. And you don't really know what you're going to do. You know how that goes. You get to college graduation and things just kind of fizzle out. So they broke up and she was heartbroken, absolutely heartbroken. She, his parents and her were very close and she just could not, she just had to get out. She had to leave Waco. So she moves in 1997 after graduation to Dallas, Texas, which is like a hundred miles away is the big city. And she took a job working for a dentist as a dental assistant and they kind of lost contact. They didn't really talk. So a year or so after she moved to Dallas, her car was stolen. Like somebody just completely stole her car. So she was like, well, I'm going to go home now. I don't so much like it here in the big city. So she moves back to the Waco area and her and Keith run into each other at a line dance. Oh. And from there, sparks just completely were rekindled and they started seeing each other again. And it went real quick after that. So Early in the 1999, Keith proposed, and in April of that year, they got married in a typical Texas wedding where there was beer and barbecue and boots, brats, and line dancing, <laughs> and booty dancing, all the bees. Real Texas baby. <laughs> I don't think they played that. No, no. I don't think that was Darlene saying, I don't okay. know. So after they got married, they built a home in Robinson, Texas, which is just a suburb outside of Waco, right beside Keith's parents, directly beside. So my impression is that Keith's parents had some land and kind of shared a piece of their land for Darlene and Keith to build a house on. So Keith took a job as an engineer that required him to travel four nights a week. So he was gone Monday to Thursday night which we know all about these traveling men and having to hold down the fort. But at the same time, they immediately started a family and Darlene and Keith had three little boys in four years. Oh, wow. They popped them out real quick. Chase, Cody, and Cade Gentry. It's cute, right? 
Yeah. All C's, right? All C's. Yeah. So the parents helped out a lot with the boys while Keith was gone and Darlene was still working at this time. But after she had her second baby, Cody, Darlene decided that she did not want to be a dental assistant anymore, that she wanted to go back to school and become a nurse. So she did. She went back to school as a registered nurse. I have to give kudos to this girl because she went on to have a great career as a registered nurse. She was by herself four days a week, raising these kids, going to school, having a full-time job. Like, you yeah, know what wow. I mean? Good for like, her. Okay, Darlene, line dancing, whatever. So she stayed really, really fit. Um, she was always extremely well-dressed. Their house was always immaculate. She was a real big spender. Like she liked to have nice things and she liked to look nice and she did what she, she did what she wanted. Mm -hmm. So when Keith came home, they spent a ton of time on the weekends with their friends and the parents babysat. They did all kinds of fun things. They went and did their line dancing. They did a lot of outdoorsy things. They were, you know, like everyone loved them. They were a really sweet couple that just, you know, had this normal life with their people and their tribe and they worked hard and raised good kids. And, you know, like we would totally have been friends with them. I'm telling you. Sometime around 2004, Keith took a job, a lower paying kind of desk job that allowed him to come home at night. So he didn't love this job, but he, he kind of was tired of being away from his family. And you know, you'd think that would be great, but it kind of, I don't know, the more time they spent together, it just seems like they became farther and farther apart. And by the next year in 2005, their marriage was really strained and it was obvious to everybody. Arlene, you know, despite the fact that Keith was getting a lower salary, she did not curb her spending whatsoever. She still did what she wanted and they started arguing over finances. They started arguing over the way that Darlene handled the boys the fact that her mother-in-law had them a lot and Darlene was very, I don't know. She was kind of, she didn't like to stay at home. She wanted to go out and have nice dinner and meet, go out with her friends. And Keith kind of became a homebody a little bit, you know, he was just tired of doing all that. And so they just were spending less and less time together. And it was really obvious to everybody. So they had been married six years at this point, you know, you get the itch, things happen there was, it was very strange. They were arguing a lot and everyone knew. So on November 4th of 2000, I'm sorry, November 8th of 2005, Darlene went out that night and met a friend and she got home around eight or nine o'clock. Her and Keith had a discussion. They were talking about their finances again and, you know, whatever marriage talk, blah, blah. And they went to bed together. Darlene woke up in the middle of the night because all three of her boys were sick and she was kind of up and down with them in one kid's room and the next kid's room on and on. And she turned the TV on and watched TV with them for a while, just trying to keep them calm. And she finally fell asleep sometime around like three o'clock in the morning in the youngest boy's room who was a baby. So she woke up a little bit before 6am and she went downstairs and she saw that her back door was wide open and her husband's gun cabinet was open and empty. 
So she's yelling for him. She runs up the stairs to get him and she finds him laying on the bed on his back, blood on the bed. And so she calls 911. Oh my goodness. Okay. So this call comes in around 6.15 or so in the morning and I'm going to play a clip of the 911 call for you. Okay. So I need to listen. It's kind of hard to hear. I'll tell you what she says, but just, just take a, take a listen here. Okay. Okay. Tell me what you heard. I don't even know what the heck she's talking about. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's really hard to hear, but she says basically she got up that morning. She was in her son's room because they couldn't sleep. The back door was open. Her husband's guns are all gone. There's blood on the bed. He's gurgling. He has pink foam coming out of his mouth and he's making a God awful sound. Okay. Hmm. So the interesting thing about this call is I just paid, played a 30 second clip for you and it is not until second 25 that Darlene even brings up the fact that her husband is injured. Oh my gosh. So she says, oh yeah, I got up and my back doors are open and my kids were sick last night and I slept in their room. Oh, and the guns are gone and the cabinet's open. Hey, by the way, my husband's bleeding on the bed. And yeah. the 911 caller is even like, okay, so this isn't a robbery call. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she has to set up this whole entire story before, like if your husband, if you find your husband dead in bed, regardless of all the other things that have happened, mm -hmm. you would say, oh my gosh, my husband, what's your emergency? My husband's bleeding. Something happened to my husband. He's injured, right? That's your, that's what you're going to say. Cause that is the emergency. Right. Darlene. Yeah. The back door okay. being open, the guns being gone, not really the emergency. It's right. like, yeah, like helpful for them to know that after the fact, but first oh. send an ambulance now. <laughs> right. Like you want to talk about what you ate for breakfast, Darlene? No, <laughs> come on. How long did it take you to pee before you went downstairs? She like, had a mimosa no, first need... too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she should have. Mm. Um, so the police come and they ask her if she tried to resuscitate her husband. Remember, Darlene is a registered nurse. Oh, and right. Darlene's, right. And she says, no, I didn't touch him. I didn't touch him. She says that she was trying to keep her boys away from him, that she didn't know what was wrong with him. And she, she just didn't want the boys to be scared. So she was just trying to keep her kids away from jumping on the bed and going to get their daddy and all this stuff while they I, waited for the police. Okay. So I totally get that, you know, to a certain extent. However, being a registered nurse, don't you know that it's like you have minutes sometimes to like and start performing some alive. sort of life saving measure to save their life. <laughs> so, and he was alive. That's my biggest thing is like, even if you're not, even if you don't know how to resuscitate them, you're going to grab them. You're going to grab them and be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, stay with me, stay with me. You know what I mean? Like, come on, we all watch TV. Right. You know how to <laughs> behave, darling. Like, come on. <laughs> She didn't do any of that. She did not touch him. 
So the police ushered her and the boys back in the back bedroom and they wanted to clear the house to make sure that, that there was no suspects in the house, right? She calls her mother-in-law who was next door, tells her what's going on. The mother-in-law is like, I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to get the kids. And they, she can't get through. The police have everything barricaded. You need to stay out, blah, blah, blah. So the police find no forced entry whatsoever to the house. The back door was open. Um, they do find Keith with a gunshot wound to his head. He was still alive, still breathing in very, very critical condition. Oh my Not gosh. conscious, nothing like that, but he was alive. So they do find this gun cabinet, right? Okay. So I kind of want to describe this to you. So it's not a safe. It's not a gun safe. It's a cabinet. So it's literally looks like a cabinet, like in your kitchen, but tall, and it has a glass front. Okay. I know. Isn't so you can so see weird? what's inside. Why would you yeah, want people like to see what's in that? It's a display case right. almost. That's no. what it looks like. And I can post a picture of this in our show notes too, because it is really interesting. But it was opened with a key that apparently Keith kept on top of the cabinet. Okay. Good spot. <laughs> well, yeah, right. I mean, right. True. This is definitely not uh, safe gun handling, but if you're a robber, you're not going to look for the key. You're going to bust the glass. That's like, true. It's really, really weird. That is so weird. And even weirder, they found a bunch of guns in the front yard, directly out the front door, lined up. Like they just, they, they took him out, they shot him, and then they were like, meh, just leave him right here on the way out. They left him. So they got spooked. They, you know, whatever, whatever. Okay. And they're like neatly laid out too. It's not even like they dropped them. It looks like they were brought out like two at a time and like lined up. So weird. Hmm. Like a little yard cell, gun yard cell. <laughs> um, so the cops immediately suspect Darlene. And you can even hear in some of the police audio that is done that day. Like one of the cops is like, he whispers to this other cop, I think she did it. <laughs> right? Okay. So. I think she did it. Yeah. Darlene so, <laughs> so the kids go to the parents and Keith is taken to the hospital. The cops ask Darlene to come to the station instead. So they take her in a police car to the station. Again, if your husband has been shot and is alive. No, no, no. I want to go to the hospital. I want to go to the hospital. You absolutely refuse. Like you're not required. They don't have a warrant for your arrest. You're just doing this as a good citizen to come in and co-op. Like, okay, they need to question you. I get that. But like, go be with your critically ill injured husband, right? Well, yes. And clearly, um, I feel like she's also not hysterical because if she was, they wouldn't want to question her in that state anyway. Right. And they would well, be just sending her off. I, I would feel. Point. No, I like that. That's a that's a great point. She does sound a little bit hysterical, like later on in the nine one one call. To be fair, she mm -hmm. does like. But, yeah, I agree. Like, if she's in a crazed, worried, stressed state, go be with your husband. Right? We'll catch you later. So, she says they take her in for questioning, and she says that she 
had to get up in the middle of the night and change a baby's dirty diaper. And she went outside in the back to throw it in the outside trash can because it was like a really stinky diaper. Mm. And she's not sure whether she locked the doors back when she came back in. She feels like the people that robbed her house maybe came in to get Keith's guns because I guess it's well known that he's a gun owner and has this big collection of guns. And she thinks that somebody came in just specifically to get those. Mm -hmm. Okay. They left him in the front yard, Darlene. (laughs) Okay. And she did give consent for them to search her house during the time. And she says, and this is weird too, that she never heard a sound. She never heard any noise. She never heard anyone come in the house, come up the stairs in the neighboring bedroom to where she was sleeping. She never heard a gunshot, nothing. Does anybody sleep that soundly? Unless you're in a coma? There have been times. I feel like (laughs) I'm just checking. (laughs) I don't know. I I woke up this morning to my child laughing at whatever television show he was watching. So I'm pretty sure if there's a gunshot in the next room and he's all the way down the hall. (laughs) Yeah. These are noticeable sounds, even like footprints and all that stuff. Like you'd hear that crap and they're opening cabinets and pulling guns out and going out the front door and laying them in the yard two by two, but Mm -hmm. whatever. So, I mean, super weird things about this, right? Like they clearly weren't after the guns. Clearly they left them. And why did they shoot Keith? Like he didn't startle them. You know, you think like you get shot during an armed robbery because you hear them and you go downstairs and you surprise them. And so they bang, they shoot you. No, Keith was shot in his bed, clearly in his sleep. So like they stole his guns, walked upstairs and then shot him and then left and left the guns. Like the worst story ever. Right. They, I mean, they so, had the key, so they could have just opened it, taken him, and left. That's all they wanted. <laughs> exactly. So what's the motive here to kill Keith? None whatsoever. So an hour into the interview, the hospital calls, and Keith is, they are declaring Keith brain dead. So Darlene has to go to the hospital. She needs to be with her husband. She has to sign the papers to remove him from life support and to donate his organs. So Keith did, his organs were donated, so... I mean, like, hopefully there was some life that came out of his death. Within minutes of them removing the life support, Keith did pass away. Mm. He was 31 years old. Gosh. So young, right? So directly after all of this happened at the hospital, the police take Darlene back to the station. So no grieving, no going home, no telling her boys that their dad has just passed away. They just take her back to the station and continue questioning. And after this, after they bring her back to the station, they tested her hand for gunshot residue. They had been searching the house while all this has been going on. And Keith, you know, all this has been going on at the hospital. And they found a blue surgical glove in the very bottom of a trash can that was turned inside out. And it had a 22 caliber round wrapped up inside the glove same same one that killed or same kind that killed right. him so right so there's blood on the outside of the glove and they're all of keith's guns are accounted for in the yard except for a 22 caliber pistol that his dad had given him so every gun is there except a 22 and they found a 22 round in the trash can wrapped up in a glove with blood on it. Hmm. 
So it became real, real clear to the police what was going on here, and they really started grilling her. So as soon as they started doing that, she was like, I need an attorney. I have to have an attorney. So they had to let her go. And they had to quit searching the house. Now, they did get warrants and things like that, but that stuff takes time and you have to get like indictments from a grand jury in order to arrest people. You know, we know all how this process goes. So during all this process of things going on with them searching, the autopsy did show the cause of death was a gunshot to the head, one gunshot. It was ruled a homicide, the bullet that was found inside his head. So it did not exit his head. It was one entry wound, no exit wound. So they were able to recover the bullet, but it was really, really badly damaged. So they couldn't match it to any one gun specifically, but it was a 22 bullet. It was a 22 round. So they then tested the glove. They found that the blood on the outside of the glove did belong to Keith, but that the DNA and the DNA on the inside of the glove was Darlene's. Oh my Lord. Her hand also <laughs> tested positive for gunshot residue. And they found that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they found on um, that, Dar that Keith had two life insurance policies that totaled over 750K. Ah, I should have waited until now to say she did it. Yeah, <laughs> I think she did it. Yeah, gosh. I, I mean, come on, right. Darlene. You're a nurse. Yeah. Your Literally. DNA comes off your hand. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. And you put it in a trash can in the house. And you lined the guns up. That's the best part for me. Like, hide them under the bed, girl. Were her Do prints? Some... Oh, well, I guess maybe she had the gloves on, so she probably didn't have prints on the guns. Or they could have been on the guns because they owned them. So, yeah, I don't know. They didn't talk about that. But um, so the, basically the only thing that they don't have to like indict this girl is a murder weapon. They don't have that 22 gun that's missing. Right. Mm. They literally have everything else. They have DNA. They have blood. They have gunshot residue. They have her behavior. I mean, you know, it's not just circumstantial here. So on November 28th, which is 19 days after Keith's death, they arrest Darlene and she, for first degree murder, and she was 32 at the time. These are really young people, right? Yeah. Young people in the prime of their life with a young family. I just can't. So her bail was set at $50,000 and crazy. Keith's parents helped her raise bail money and bailed her out of jail. Yeah. What? Wayman and Glenda. Come on, Wayman. What? Right. They were so supportive of her. They loved her. They truly believed. I saw an interview with Wayman and he, they completely believed in this woman's innocence. Like they were behind her and supporting her 100%. She actually came to live with them after she got out of jail because she could not bear to live in that house where Keith was killed. Oh my gosh. She continued working. Like she went on with life. Okay. So she contacted a builder about building a house, a new house, because she did not want to, again, live in that, in the death house. And she found this builder named Robert, Builder Bob, and he found her a property, a piece of property that she could build a new house on. So she goes out, she looks at the property, she falls absolutely in love with this property. It has a huge pond on it. And she said, oh my gosh, 
this is what Keith would have wanted. He always wanted the boys to have a place to fish. They loved to fish together. He would absolutely be so in love with this property. I love it. I love the pond. I'll take it. Hold up. She's doing all this while out on bail, like, mm-hmm. right? She hasn't mm-hmm. been to trial yet. No. She, she, they okay. bailed her out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's a, they're awaiting trial, right? Okay. okay. So um, a few weeks after she falls in love with this pond, property, and whatever, she calls Bob the Builder back and says, well, I want to move forward with getting the land, but I changed my mind about the pond. You need to fill it in. She put so, the pond there. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> Sorry Bob if I ruined like, this suspenseful story. <laughs> no, I love it. You, I do like true crime. Do you do this or something? Um, so Robert, Bob the Builder, BIP citizen, right? He's like, hmm. He's, he's a true crime fan too because hmm. he completely caught on to that and he found this super, super odd because she was so enthusiastic about this pond. So he calls his friend that's on the police force and the friend is like, mm-hmm. We agree. So they send a dive team to the pond, and within 15 minutes, they find this 22 caliber pistol and confirm that it was the pistol that belongs to Keith. Okay. Favorite part of the story. I like how they do things in Texas. They set a trap for Darlene. <sighs> so they had Bob the Builder call Darlene and tell her, okay, we can fill the pond in, but we have to drain it first. drain it of all the water and she's like oh well okay whatever you need to do then they set up a hidden camera in the woods around the pond and they take a little weed like a stick like a big you know that looks like a reed that grows on the sides of ponds and they put it right exactly where they found the gun and they just run this video camera it's like a day or two after The builder calls her and tells her they have to drain the pond. Guess who shows up in her mutters? Darlene. Here come Darlene. Tracing through the field, going to the pond, and she goes directly to the spot where they found the gun. And she's like searching around. You can see the video. It is good. She is searching around. You can see her super clearly. Like it's definitely her. And she can't find it and she can't find it. Like minutes go by. She starts getting frantic and like digging in the pond and kicking and with the stick and everything. And anyway, so on January 11th, just a couple days after this pond incident happened. So this is January 11th, 2006. It's two months after Keith's murder. The grand jury just indicted her. They were just like, come on, girl. For first degree murder and she her trial starts right just right away so in the trial they show the video of her going yeah so good and this is the crazy part about it so her defense team when it's their turn to defend her they don't even bring up the video they acted like it never happened do, 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 do. no one yeah. you're talking about <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like, and everyone is shocked by this because they're all like, mm-hmm. what's Darlene? How's she going to get out of this? Like, you know, she should have brought up ninjas or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nod to Jody here. Come on. Like, come up with something, even if it's ridiculous. No, never, ever brought it up whatsoever. So on February 8th, 
after five hours of deliberation, she was found guilty of first the first degree murder of her husband, Keith Gentry, and she was sentenced to 60 years in prison. Wow. Yeah. So well, she's lucky because you know Texas. Well, yeah, like they have death penalty, life. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they like it. Yeah. Not that they ever actually carry it out, but you know, if anybody's going to, it's Texas. Right. So she obviously says she's immediately going to file an appeal based on ineffective counsel. And honestly, I, she like, okay. Well, <laughs> because, I mean, ineffective counsel, they didn't even bring up a huge piece of evidence. So she might actually get an appeal on that one. <laughs> right, exactly. And she says that her story about the video, which her counsel knew and just never told, which was shocking to her, is that she heard a rumor okay, that the gun was hidden in the pond and she went to go get it. For the police Come so like on, darlene yeah you want to talk about those coincidences like they hid the gun on a piece of property that you were thinking about maybe buying right <laughs> like who hid the gun darlene come on so she again it's like same as like jody arias bringing up these stories to like slander her husband she says that Keith was a swinger with this other couple that they were friends with and that they needed to test them all because they all had herpes and that would prove that Keith was cheating on her and that there was motive from other people to kill him her conviction was upheld okay okay <laughs> so she will be eligible for parole in 2037 Oh, that's coming up. That's not long, yeah. really. This happened in 2005, remember? Right, yeah. So she's been in there for a minute. But interestingly enough, Keith's, um, her boy, the boys are with Keith's parents. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, which we're not given as of 2010, she is barred from contact with them. So she doesn't speak to them. They don't speak to her. I guess she's not, she's not allowed that she did it and doesn't want her to No, the courts did that. Oh, the just courts okay. barred her from contacting her children. So I don't know if she was like using them to, to do stuff or like, I don't know, but like this girl snapped. Mm -hmm. Oh, does she, like, is there a snapped on her? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. You just got me yes. into that. So I'm going to have to watch it now. Oh my gosh. I know it's the best. So yeah, there's a snapped about her and she, that's literally what she did. Like she was living this part. She was a nurse. She was a mom. She was gorgeous. She had this perfect house and this perfect life with all this help from family. And she just shot her husband and lied real bad. <laughs> it. It's crazy. If people had um, true crime podcasts to listen to back then, they'd probably learn a thing or two on what not to do they did have snapped well <laughs> snap's been around for a long time but i didn't even know about it until you told me weeks ago <laughs> oh my gosh i've been watching snapped since i was a teen <laughs> i am very years in with my mm -hmm. relationship with snapped and i love it wow. it's all it's well that's not true but it's mostly about women who have snapped like darlene man there well you go. i'm glad we they got, got her me. did you love that that, that was a really good one that I think, like, I don't know if you could tell by my reaction on the video <laughs> when they, you said they set a trap. I was like, yes, yes. 
<laughs> do it like Texas. Be like Texas. Y'all. Yeah, that was smart. Really smart Make on their sneaky. part. I know. I love me some Bob the Builder too. Oh gosh, yes, that was a fantastic. There's lots of fantastic names in this. Uh, they're like very, they're very simple, but they're just perfect for this story. <laughs> He's a builder named Bob. <laughs> Well, his name's Robert. I, I totally know Bob Bob's the same thing. <laughs> I have a brother named Robert. We call him Bob to be mean. Bob. <laughs> Bob. Anyway, right. well, that was a good one. Thank you. It was awesome. Thanks. You're welcome. That was fun. Well, thank you for listening. Once again, guys, we are loving hearing from you. We have heard from several people. We've gotten some case suggestions, which is really cool. So be on the lookout for your cases. We have yes. a few weeks that we have planned out. And so it might take us a little bit to get to them, but we will You're get to them. just going to have to listen. Yes. Keep listening. You might hear your name. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'd love to hear from more of you. Feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That is the best thing you can do for us. Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Not just rate us. Review. Yes. Write, write a little something. Diddy on us. Um, if you have any questions feedback find us on instagram facebook or you can send us an email crimesandclosets at gmail.com and always remember the world is scary people suck hide in your closets bye guys bye